one minute until showtime. Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Gentlemen, it's your boy Randy Chu. We are back. The Chu on that show. It's been a long time. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things have grown. A lot of enemies have been made. But we're back. We're here. Live. In effect. Yes. DT. Good morning, good morning. How art thou? Thou, <laughs> <laughs> well, I am fine. <laughs> I didn't know the, the other word for thou. Thou is you. <laughs> How do you say the formal version of me? <laughs> I, 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 I don't am know. Fine. <laughs> uh, what's been going on with you lately? <clears throat> All good. Um, just got back from vacation myself, so... Okay. Thank you for putting it on pause. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, no went, problem. Went to uh, Florida and had just a nice, chill, relaxing time. Nice, nice. Yeah. Cool. You went You went just like a vacation with you and your husband, or you just kind of went on a solo, <laughs> solitude type of 
No, family trip. Family trip. We saw husband's uh, mom, who's been in failing health. So okay. when we were there, she was in good spirits, and she was up and moving around and out of the hospital. So that was all good. Awesome. And then outside of visiting her, we just kind of chilled out by the pool and did some fun things around town, and it was good. That's what's up. That's what's up. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, um, yeah, you know... People been kind of just dropping like flies here lately, so I'm glad that someone's doing good. <laughs> um, I know. I, I have I, when I got back to town, one of my close friends, her dad died. So yeah, that it that it has been happening. <clears throat> okay, cool, cool. Um, we have a special guest that's going to be joining us on the show uh, real soon. Okay. Um, today's uh. We're going to do a little interview style with this special guest, have a little dialogue, um, and then we're going to actually dive into some uh, loose talk and all those things. But I think this might be the guest right here. Let's see. Seven two seven. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. <laughs> I, yes, this this is the guest. Yes, we have her. Okay, guess I'm going to put you on hold for a moment, and then I'm going to bring you back on the show. Hold on one second. Okay. So, so yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna have our our interview with our special guest, and we're gonna talk about a topic that she's been doing for a while: uh, plays, lectures, the whole nine, and. I am very intrigued to see how this conversation goes because it will put um, all of us in an awkward situation that is highly controversial, and I love it. Um, and this is why this, we have the show, is to have those tough discussions anyway. I mean, what's the point of having to chew on that show if we're not going to talk about topics that are need to be addressed, whether we agree, disagree, uh, support or don't support I feel like the room for conversation And discussion and dialogue needs to happen Because how can I just write off Someone else's viewpoint If I don't have the ability to try to Understand their viewpoint That makes sense? Absolutely Yeah so I'm, I, you know I dive in um, People on, my, on the show They have their own voice Their own opinions I'm not here to persuade anybody On anything um, unless it's absolutely 100% truth that you cannot deny whatsoever, uh, like the sky is blue type stuff, like obvious truth. Um, but other than that, man, you know, I, I love the way that the direction that the show is going. Um, I want to start having more guests. I want to start pulling um, more uh, hard dialogues, but I'm going to be goofy like I always am. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um. Yes. Um. I like that. That's a very respectful approach. So many people jump to conclusions, or maybe they didn't understand the other person, or they didn't want to hear the other person, and they just reach their own conclusion. It's okay to reach your own conclusion, but to do so without the input of the other person is just plain rude. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> And I think, um, see, we live in a society that is um, kind of 
narcissistic in a in a sense. And um I want to take the selfness out and put a us in there and that's what that's what my strive for this. I think we have our other co host NH is in the building. NH you here? Yeah. Okay. What's going on, Nathaniel? Man, nothing much. Taking it easy, taking it easy. Okay, that's what's up. That's it's early up. over here. Uh-huh. But you know it's early over here. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> DT, can you hear him good? No, cannot. Okay, hold on. Let me fix that. I knew it was going to be. Hold on, let me let Daddy fix it. Let Daddy fix it. Alrighty. Is Lady on board today? Uh no, Lady J is no longer a part of us. Oh. Yes, she her business has grown and she needs her Thursdays. I am so heartbroken right now. I know. Yes. She's going to give you some competition, huh? Um <laughs> I I hope so. I mean, I want somebody yeah. to take over and destroy me, my legacy that I've built. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let me do this. You have to school me, too. I have to be your protege. That's how this is going to work. You're going to be my protege. Yeah. <laughs> you can take over. Uh, DT, I'm going to need you to pick up your phone. Cell phone. Oh. Oh, did I drop you? Nope, you're good. Cool. NH, say oh, something. Oh, I see what you're doing. Hey, Nathaniel. Hey. Okay, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hot <laughs> monkey grease <laughs> lava in here. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so now we have our special guest that's on the line. I'm going to introduce her. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite her back onto the show, and then I'm gonna have her introduce herself, her work, and we're going to get into a dialogue. Listen, the number to dial in today is five six three nine 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 three zero nine eight. That's five six three nine 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 three zero nine eight. I need callers to call in, light this board up, and we're going to have a, a, a very good show. And our guest is only going to be with us for an hour. Once she gets off, we are going to start the vibrations. And I repeat, I will be vibing today. So if you know anybody that needs confirmation, needs guidance, or any of the such things, tell them to call in. Okay, I'm going to invite the guests on the show. 
Young lady, do we have you? Uh, yes, I'm here. How y'all doing? <laughs> We're doing lovely. Everyone speak to her. Everyone introduce yourselves and say hi. Hi, this is DT. Who are we talking to? This is Rashida, the world's first dark-skinned activist. <laughs> uh, hi, Orshida. Well, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Nice. Now, Rashida, can you just give us... Am I saying your name right, Rashida? Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, that's correct. cool. Yeah, I can pronounce names, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your work before we get into the conversation and the dialogue and the questioning and all that. What do you what is your work to the to my audience? What is it that you do? Sure. Um I started a Hello. Uh oh. That's got to be on her. No, I thought that was my phone. No, I can't hear her either. Can you all hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, awesome. Um, I started dark skin activism in 1998 with a, a speech slash lecture, some people will call it a speech um, a lecture, um, at St. Petersburg College during Harambe African American History Month about the dark skin Sudanese model named Alex Weck. And prior to this, I had been experiencing what I now call dark skin mental abuse or darkism. Okay. Darkism. Rashida, your phone is going in and out. Rashida, come to me. Rashida. Yeah, I was trying not to put you on speakerphone, but I, I see I'm going to have to do it because I got a touch screen phone and it's so sensitive. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Okay, so um, so what I decided to do, I, I looked around for uh, a person that was doing what I do right now for a long time, and I couldn't find anyone that specifically spoke on dark skin um, issues in terms of how dark skin people are looked at in in a, in a myriad of ways. So I decided when I was at St. Pete College and was given the opportunity, I decided to speak about it and not to hold back. And I spoke about Alec Weck because at the time I had purchased um, Elle magazine. They had on the cover of a, a 1997 cover of Elle magazine, which I still have it to this day. And she was super dark skinned, looking beautiful and all white. And I just couldn't believe that this dark skinned woman was on the cover of this magazine. And so as I did my research on her, African-American people, they were saying things like she is not the definition of what is beautiful and black. She is, you know, her hair was short. She looks manly. She's just simply not attractive. And her dark skin was always associated with that. And I could relate to that because when I was in school um, and also in my family, I experienced darkism where people would call me names like blackie and ugly, monkey mouth, spot, African booty scratcher. I would be here all day talking about the names that I was called uh, growing up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I'm talkative right now. I could talk, 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 but I was quiet. I never said anything. I just took it and took it and took it. So I decided, you know, this is something that was bothering me for the longest. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to talk about this. And I don't care if somebody says, because, you know, the thing is, people say, oh, you're jealous or you're a hater, but I didn't care about any of that. So I spoke 
on Alec West, did the speech, and that gave birth to dark skin activism. And as a result, what I've done is I've gone on to write, I've written uh, five books and counting on dark skin. I only focus on dark skin, which is people have told me not to do that. They said, don't talk about dark skin. You need to focus on all black people. Well, I've done that as well as an activist in my community. But I said, you know what? I got to deal. I got to do what I believe God wants me to do. And it's to focus on dark skin. So from that time, I focused exclusively on dark skin through writing books and my play um, that I wrote in 2006 called A Dark Skin Girl's Triumph, which is my own personal story. And then from there, I wrote A Dark Skin Woman's Revenge, which is the sequel to A Dark Skin Girl's Triumph. And I've just been performing um, the plays. Also, I speak, I do speaking engagements. Um, I've written, like I said, five books and counting. And I just continuously do this work of dark skin activism because what I found is that it's something that is needed it hasn't. It was never done before. The only person I got to give her a credit that I could say that was, you know, honing in on it is a woman named Cola Booth. Shout out to her. She's like my biggest inspiration. Um, but other than that, no one ever honed in on specifically dark skin issues. And it's something that I said, this is what I got to do. If people are telling me not to do this, it must be a reason <laughs> they're telling me not to do it. And this is what I need to do. And so this is what I've been doing from 98 until the present. Wow. Wow. Okay, before I dive into my questions, does any of my co-hosts, NH or DT, have anything they want to say or question or ask before we jump into the questions that I have? I, I love her passion behind this. It's always great to stand for something that you really, really believe in, and, and it really shows. So I, I, I'm looking forward to our talk today. Nice, nice. Thank you, <laughs> Nathaniel. Same here. <laughs> Same here. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what you're about to ask. Okay, so <laughs> I have questions. <sighs> sure. I uh, have growing up. You always hear. Um, light-skinned people are sensitive um, Light-skinned people can't fight um, Light-skinned people are not fully black You know, you hear all those things And then to have you come along And talk about dark skin Now, I'm, I'm, I'm dark myself I'm black and I'm proud I say mm -hmm. it out loud I love my dark skin I love my body I'm in love with myself I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not conceited or narcissistic, but I do love myself. I'm I'm not in the best shape that I that I'm norm that I would normally be in. I'm an athlete, but I haven't been really hitting the gym or training. So I'm a little I'm a little overweight right now, but I'm sexy to myself. I look in the mirror and I say, God dang I look good. You know what I mean? I just I'm just in love with myself. I'm not I'm not cocky or ignorant or arrogant with it, but I have love for myself. What would you say to right. someone? who is extremely tar complected and how would you tell them to address someone who is light skinned who is saying to them that they're not beautiful what would be some steps that you would give that's what I want to say what would be some steps you would give for self confidence to a dark skinned individual 
You mean just to uh, now? Let me make sure I understand. You mean just to the the person having like confidence in themselves, or dealing with addressing people that don't see them as 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 good looking because they're dark skin. Let, let's let's talk about the confidence in themselves because you can't properly address anyone until you actually have some foundation to stand on. You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what are some things that you did personally to build your confidence in yourself because you just said right. that growing up you know you were getting teased and things like that which I don't see why you would get teased but anyway um, go ahead right um, I'm glad you asked that question because I actually I actually addressed this question um, that you asked in a book that I wrote it's the first motivational book in the world for dark skinned females it's called how to be the hottest dark skinned chick on the planet <laughs> and it's the book that I wish that someone would have wrote for me <laughs> no seriously Wow. And in that book, I had to do a lot of work on myself um, to to build my confidence. So one of the things that I did, I had a seventh grade, a beautiful dark skinned seventh grade teacher, Miss Maddie Everett. May she rest in peace. She found something in me, which was the public speaking and the acting. She said, "You you you good at this," and she built it in me. And even in the times where I was, I felt like bad about myself because of what people were saying, that one thing stuck within me because I knew, hey, this is what I'm good at. And so one of the first things that I would say, find something that you love. That's key. Find something that you love to do because the thing is, eventually, your, 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 your gifts and your talents and your passions, if you, if you work at it and if you believe in yourself, that is going to transcend. And that's what I found. So find something that you are good at, that you're passionate about, that you love to do, and that you, you know, and go after it. Don't stop. Build it. Work on it. Be relentless. And just, just go at it. And eventually, people are going to move out of the way, and you're going to get your respect. I found that to be so true. Another thing that I personally do, now, this might be controversial, but I truly believe that we need to have a healthy diet. And for me... It's being a vegetarian, okay? Vegetarianism, uh, my uh, goal is to become a raw vegan, but I'm not there yet. Fasting, I do a lot of fasting. I do a lot of meditation. Okay. I do a lot of juice fasting. Okay. So all that revolves around dietary, because the thing is, one of the things that I found with, for example, uh, fasting and meditation and juicing, or even water fasting, is you get clarity of mind. And my mind is clear. And I'm able to think, and I'm, it makes me more confident. That so, I, I have I to like agree to with you That's on that. Thing. I so, have to agree with you on that. Yes, because I I, yeah. fa I fast. <laughs> uh, well, I, I meditate. I can't say that I haven't fasted in a couple of months because I just I'm obsessed with food right now. I don't know what's going on with me, but uh, <laughs> I meditate <laughs> and um, during my my times of meditation, uh, which are which is like eleven thirty to one eight eleven thirty p.m. to one a.m. When I'm meditating, it's a sense of, uh, I want to say the word serenity that takes over. And right. I begin to look at life from an uh, eagle's eye, a perspective of overview. Um, and I get to evaluate myself and things around me and stuff. So I have to agree with you on that. Um, so a lot of people, and I'm sure you probably got this, and I'm Mr. Controversial if you don't know. Um, so I'm going to okay. be asking a lot of controversial questions, and I don't want you to take it as a personal attack um, at all. Because no, I, not at all. Because I don't believe in disrespecting people because I love being respected. 
Um, do you not like light skinned people? Oh, that's the you know, I'm I'm glad you asking these questions. That's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about me and it's 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 I don't know, it's, it, to me it's outrageous, but the thing is to be um to to fight for dark skin equality and when I talk about dark skin equality I'm speaking about even economically because you know there's a ton of scholarly studies out there that have proven that uh, dark skin darker you are the more um likely you are to achieve in regards to life chances you know so the studies are there um the thing is i don't have any hatred towards any human being let me clear that up oh i'm going to clear that up to anyone i love all human beings i have worked uh in the healthcare industry and let me tell you you can't hate people to work in the health. You gotta love people. I've been working in the healthcare industry for a long time, working with kids of all races. So it has nothing to do with hatred of any person uh, based on their color or their race. That's not what this is about. Okay. Um, I also want to add that my best friend in the whole wide world, shout out to Shamina if you're listening to this, and uh, her mother, Vita, who uh, she, uh, she passed away. May, they, may she rest in peace. But these two light-skinned people, very light-skinned, I was homeless for a long time, came from a very impoverished background, and I, I tell people, because this is the truth, if they hadn't taken me off the streets and helped me, I wouldn't have went from homeless on the streets to a master's degree. I wound up getting a master's degree uh, from the University of South Florida, getting my GED and all that great stuff. It was because of a light-skinned woman, a, a wow. very light-skinned woman. Wow. So wow. people, they, they really don't, I'm glad you're asking these questions, because people don't really take the time to understand uh, what a person is saying or delve into their background. And if they did, they would understand that this is not about hatred at all. And in fact, I want to say before Vita died, she actually attended a lot of my a Dark Skin Woman's Revenge shows. And Shamina actually traveled with me to a lot of my shows. So you, you, so you have the, you know, like, that's the irony there. You have this, these light-skinned people that are supporting this dark skin work. So it's, it's not even about hating anyone and I don't hate light skinned people I don't hate any color people what I love is equality what I love is, is, is I want to look around the world and I want to see when we see the when we look at the dark skinned people of the world for example I did my thesis on uh, the dark skinned people of Sierra Leone we we see that the dark skinned people are suffering the most politically economically and socially and for me that's a problem that's a problem that we have to address. So we can't just say, oh, you hate light-skinned people or you hate this because you're dealing with these issues surrounding darkism. It's, it's way bigger than that. It's about human rights. It's about equality. If the people that were, were, were being discriminated against, if they were light-skinned, it would, for me, it would be the same thing. Then I would become the light-skinned activist, if you will. Right, so right, it's all right. about equality for me. Equality is the key here. Human rights is the key. So you're telling me with with your statement here, you're telling me and the audience and my co-host here that if roles were reversed, you would be a white activist. Absolutely. And any human being that's oppressed, I'm against oppression of any kind. And that's at the root of a dark skin activism. I, uh, in, in my book, Darkism, there's a, a a definition that I came up with to operationalize what it is that I'm really speaking about. It's called systemic economic darkism. Wow. And that just means that there are systems, worldwide systems, economic systems in place, going back to Sierra Leone, 
um, Sierra Leone, the IMF and the World Bank instituting structural adjustment policies like they do in a lot of other uh, African countries has led to what I call systemic economic darkism, which of course stems from, for me, um, imperialism and, and, and uh, colonialism and slavery and those kinds of things. So for me, it's, it's about uh, eliminating oppression. Because why do we need to oppress each other? If we really think about this, why is it that we are oppressing each other if all human beings were born equally and the, you know, there's no intrinsic law that says this particular group should control this resource? There's no law that says that. So we have to think the human beings are causing the problem here and the human beings have the solution to the problem. So it doesn't matter what color the person is, um, what race the person is. In this case, it just so happens to be the dark-skinned people of the world. I'm dark-skinned myself, and I've experienced these things. And a lot of times when people start uh, movements, um, like I like to use the example of, of MAD, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving, it's usually because something has happened to that person in their life, and they say, you know what? I'm tired of this, I'm going to do something about it, and in the process, I'm going to help other people. So it's the same thing. I experienced darkism, I was quiet about it, and it really kind of messed me up for a long time. So this, to me, is therapeutic to be doing these plays, to be writing these books, to be, I, I actually do what I call dark skin counseling, and that's just not what dark skin people call people. They'll contact me, and I counsel them. So I'm helping people. So, and that's the part that I really like the most. I like to help people and make people feel better and try to make this is my way of trying to make the world a better place. So, what I, so, well, let me, Nathaniel or DT, if you have any questions, feel free to chime in. It's a discussion, it's not an actual just me and her. So, you guys can chime in anytime you want. Let me say, let me, let me, let me say this. Can you, what would you say to someone who, <laughs> who would accuse you? Of how can I say it? Who would accuse you of starting a movement based upon pain? Well, it's true. I would be honest about it because that's I'm, that's all I know how to do is be honest. Um, I, it's true. It started with my own personal pain, and it was a very painful experience. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in poverty. I wound up having to live with some relatives that were light skinned and I just, I wasn't treated the best. And I, you know, I, I, when you're a, a kid, you know, something's going on, but you can't really articulate it. And these things follow you as you progress. And, 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 and so it was a lot of pain, emotional pain, um, that was there. And you can either deal with these things in a destructive manner, uh, or you can deal with them in a constructive manner and help people. And I chose, to, to to engage in the performing arts because that's again going back to that that's what I knew how to do that's what I was good at so I said let me let me let me talk about this let me let me let me deal with this in, in, in theatrically um, they call it edutainment in some circles you know a, a live show in terms of a performance because when you're when you're acting you're dealing with human emotions. And I didn't want to hide it anymore. I wanted to talk about this because I know there's other people out there that was probably um, in pain as well, which, they, which you know, they've contacted me to today. People tell me, you know, anonymously, but I know that I knew at that time that there were people 
that really didn't want to talk about this because maybe somebody would say, oh, you're jealous or you're a hater or, they, <laughs> you know, they got all kind of stuff that they'll tell you. And I still get that to this day. But I, I got to be honest and I got to speak my truth because I don't have anything else. This is what I this is all I have. I got to I got to speak my truth and get this out and let it out. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes from my own personal pain. Yes. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And, and H, let me ask you a historical question. Nathaniel, you still with us? Yeah. Okay. Historically speaking, has there ever been a culture of dark-skinned people who have oppressed any other people group or themselves? That is a good question. And the answer to that question is I need to do some more research on that. But off the top of my head, to my knowledge, um, no. I would say no, but again, I could be wrong based upon uh, conducting some research to find the answer to, those, to that question. And, and Nathaniel is our historian here. He is our facts checker. Mm -hmm. Would you like to speak on that, uh, NH? There has been. There has been. Okay. Couple of times. <laughs> a couple of times. Has it been within yeah, the past? Has it been within the past seven hundred years? No. And H, don't don't really. you think don't you think that some of the discrimination happens from within, which also holds people down? Um, is that question directed to me? Uh, sure, Rashida, go ahead. I was uh, addressing Nathaniel, but you go ahead. Oh, um, is there is there discrimination that happens from within, which just furthers the problem? It just makes that blister even worse. Are you talking about within the black community? Yes. Yes. Um, and and that's the that's the thing. Now I will say this because people think that I don't realize this or understand this. So let me just say from the outset that darkism started with the slave trade to me. That's really one of the greatest historical markers of, of, of darkism. But you can even argue that it started sometime before that with, with invasions into uh, Africa. But for me, that's like the, 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 the marker. But what I really deal with is, is the intra- Darkism that goes on between um, black people. Because the truth is that I have never been called black and ugly or crispy or monkey or any of those names when I was growing up by white people. That's the truth. It's been in my own community. And so the thing is, and, and, and let me also say this, I wanted to uh, be accepted by black men. I've always wanted their acceptance. I don't ask me why, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's something about just having the acceptance. When I say acceptance, I wanted black men to look at me and say, oh my God, she's beautiful. I've always wanted that. So to be, to be called names by the men that you want to be accepted by, for me was a painful thing that took me a long time to, to, to get over and deal with. So to this day, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and blame uh, black men for for darkism because I feel that all we're all to blame because it wasn't just the the men it was some of like I said the, some of the women in my family oh my 
oh, I could I could speak for days about that, but I wanted the acceptance of the men. I like the men, so <laughs> so the thing is, when I was in school, I would I would be hearing black and ugly constantly. It was like a battle, a constant struggle, you know, on a day to day basis. And so, yes, it, 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 darkism occurs in the black community, and we have to solve the problem within. The key is to solve it within, which is why I speak to black people about this a lot, even in schools. When I hear um, children call each other, you know, you you black and stuff like that in an insulting way, I address it and deal with it because that's the problem. It can lead to a lot. It can lead to fights. I used to get into fights in school because people, I got tired of it at one point, wound up getting suspended from school. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it can lead to so many different detrimental things within our community. So we definitely have to address it, uh, I think, mainly within the black community because that's where it really happens at wow Nathaniel anything you want to say to DT's question Uh, no I agree with Rashida it does happen in the black community a little too often Okay. Um, and can I can I say thank you to uh, Nathaniel real quick I just wanted to say thank you I appreciate you for putting us all together I, I just want to say thank you uh, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I think, I think that um, part of the crab in the bucket mentality that the black community has comes from, and I'm going to say not a hundred percent, but at least eighty percent of it comes from the conditioning that was put on us during. Um, our time here um, if you look at before Africa was conquered and actually renamed Africa um, we had about 750 to 800 years of peace where literally when Africanus came um, he in his writings actually said that he lived amongst the gods and he found paradise everyone was eating everyone was happy everyone had substance there was no poor there was no crime (laughs) and so Mm. I think the conditioning of light skin versus dark skin came about um, during uh, 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 well not 100% but mainly during uh, our our time here in bondage Um, however if you look at historically there's always been a level of nationalism that uh, we we had as a people. For example, if you were from a specific region, you repped your region. It's kind of the mentality that we get growing up in a project. We rep our hood, where we rep where we're from. That is that is something that's embedded into our DNA because our ancestors rep their region. I'm from this tribe. I'm from this nation or this city. And we don't like this specific city, this specific tribe, this specific specific region. Um, and so because we've been trapped here um, against our will, we've grown into um, uh, repping neighborhoods or repping colors, not realizing that we don't own the neighborhood that we're repping. That's the difference between our ancestors and us. See, they own the land that they were fighting for and, and representing. We don't own the project areas that we grew up in or the neighborhoods that we claim. 
um, I'm dealing with uh, the gentrification of uh, uh, urban uh, communities now within the uh, district that I'm in, and I'm me and I'm meeting with councilmen and you know committees, and I'm trying to get them to stop um, trying to uh, buy out the projects so that they can renovate them, kick black folks out, and put white folks in. Like that literally happening in front of my eyes, and I'm trying to stop that and um and it's been it's been a battle but however i i do to to answer dt's question i do believe that that is an issue within our community however i do no, i do not look at that as an as a reason or an excuse for it to continue and what i mean by that is just because we know something is a problem does not for let me let me say it like this if someone is a is is a rapist and they are a rapist to young boys say the pope is out here molesting little boys which he does do um we can't just focus on his problem of molesting little boys we have to focus on his the issue that why is he not getting prosecuted or, or uh, stepped down from his position or arrested or charged as a criminal for doing that when the common man would get tried for that and that is the struggle of inequality it's not just uh, 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 what I would say a American thing I think it's a worldwide thing and because if the Pope had be was to be a black man he would probably get killed or he would probably face criminal charges against humanity for the things that are done. Um, and I think that he gets a pass because of a religious stance, a fake uh, uh, power of authority stance um, due to that religion, and therefore he gets a pass on things. Now, would you say, Rashida, and DT and NH, would you say this? Let's say there was no inward fighting amongst black people where would you say we would stand at now as a dark skinned nation where would, where would the goal what would the vision look like if we actually had equality something that we're all fighting for what would the world look like if we actually had it here in America I want Rashida to respond and then the co-host can whichever one wants to chime in chime in but that's my question for the panel where would we stand at as America if there really was equality if there really that's a good question if there was really equality um, I, I'm dealing with the question the issues of life chances that's what this is really all about uh, Max Weber talked about life chances and we talk about life chances, we're dealing with a person's ability to, to be happy and become whatever it is that they want to be in a given society and be able to participate in a way that they can gain economically, gain socially, et cetera. So if we lived in, a, in a, an equal society where there, there, was any, there wasn't any darkism, then we would be able to get rid of things like you know, economic discrimination where people would actually have opportunities to be able to go to school and get educated and then use that education to get a job or to start a business, and it would be a real equal opportunity. There would not be 
um, systems in place to discriminate against the person. Like I said, whether it be in housing, um, whether it be uh, in employment, whether it be in, in marriage, because that's an economic institution, institution in America. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the, the crime and punishment. So, for example, the school system, there was a study that uh, uh, showed that dark-skinned children are discriminated for more than non-dark-skinned when it comes to uh, punishment. So that would be eliminated. It would all be equal. Um, in the prison system, there was also a study, um, I believe, conducted by Cornell University that showed that uh, dark-skinned males are more likely to get the death sentence versus non-dark-skinned males. So there would be equality. There would be parity in all levels of society. We wouldn't have these situations where you have dark-skinned people on the bottom getting treated in a worse way versus their non-dark-skinned counterparts. Everybody would have an equal opportunity, a real equal opportunity. <laughs> so, you know, it would all boil down to, because what this all boils down to for me is economics. It's all about the money. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and I mean that in a way to, like I said, to distribute the resources equitably. And that is not what is going on right now, but that's how it would look for me. Because when you have equality and resources, then perhaps we won't have to worry about people resorting to um, illegal means to, 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 you know, to get money. And then when they do resort to those illegal means, based upon their skin tone, they may get, you know, longer prison time or a harsher sentence. Then, you know, so these types of things would be eliminated. Okay. Okay. DTNH, anything you want to? I think equality is not given. Wow. Equality is taken. In other words, you can't stand on a soapbox and say, I'm a woman, I demand equal pay. Equality is not given. So what that means is the individual has to take personal responsibility for one's own success. And when you do that well, it spreads to the family and what you teach your children. And when you do that well, it spreads to the community. And when you do that well, it spreads to a nation. So the crab that did get out of the bucket, I would analyze how did he or she make out of the bucket, and I would role model that. You have to take personal responsibility. And, Rashida, like you were saying earlier in the hour, um, confidence has a lot to do with it. So you have to do something or be someone that you are good at, that you have passion with, and use that as your power source and let that spill over into other areas of your life. When you um, have strong fiber from within, what the naysayers and the negative things that get said to you, you're better able to reflect that and not let that stick. It's when you don't have personal power that unfortunately we we absorb all the negativity that's thrown at us. Wow. NH, you got anything you want to add to it? You know, those are both really strong sides, though. Like, I, I don't really disagree with either side. Like, but um, I can't say by us getting rid of the problem within ourselves that is the, uh, in in a way of us taking it 
taking equality. So I mean, I I can agree with both sides. I I, I really don't. I can't say nothing about that right there. <laughs> okay. Now, Rashida, uh, doing mm-hmm. your doing your work, have you ran across any? Uh, give me two experiences that let you know that you're on the right path when while you're while you are doing your work, your activism work. What two things that stick out to you that made you realize, you know what, I am impacting lives, I am making a difference, I am bringing about change. Absolutely. Uh recently, probably about a month ago, there was a young man that attended one of my shows and he bought the book Darkism. And he told me, he said, I take this, he works in corporate America. He said, I take this book with me every day to work as a source of inspiration. So because of the the things in the book, he said he'd been feeling this way for a long time. But sometimes people would tell him, you know, that's not really going on. And, you know, it made him believe that it was all in his head. But the book to him confirmed that it wasn't in his head. This stuff is real. So when he told me that, I was real proud and happy because, that's proof positive of impacting lives and helping people. Another thing too is the people that I'm helping, the the, the um, people that contact me and that I actually counsel. I do a lot of that. That's probably that's probably one of my greatest achievements because I never would have thought that people would actually be contacting me about dark skin issues, like, but they do. And when I'm able to sit there and listen to their stories and just to be like a listening ear, sometimes I don't, I know I'm talking a lot right now, but I do a lot of listening when you, when people contact me because they want somebody to listen to them. They don't want somebody to say, oh, you just jealous or, oh, that's crazy. They want somebody to really listen to them. So I'm very, very proud of that. Um, you know, the people that I've talked to and sort of counseled over the years and been able to just listen to what they had to say to let them get it off their chest. And there's one person that I'm not going to even say whether the person is a man or a woman, but there's one person that is very dark skinned, super dark skinned. This person wound up resorting to measures that, you know, measures that make you feel good in the short term. And over the course of time, I saw this person go from leaving that stuff alone to um, getting their life together, getting a job, and just getting everything together. And I'm very happy. We're still in contact to this day, and I'm very, very proud of this person and very proud to be a person that was there to listen and counsel and just be there in any capacity to watch this growth. So, yeah. Wow. Um, that's, what is your thoughts on Dr. Umar Johnson? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's a good – that's a question from left field. But, okay – well, what I like about Dr. Umar Johnson, and what I want to say about that, let me talk about because I'm, I'm very big on uh, crediting those that have came before us. Uh, Dr. Jawan Zukunjufu created the blueprint for that. Like, I respect Dr. Jawan Zukunjufu. This man, I believe he probably started in the 70s, probably written over 50 books in regards to how to handle black male children in schools. He's also been a consultant. He's just put in a lot of work. So let me preface answering the question with that. And I just believe that we need to give more credit to those that have came before us that have created these blueprints. Now that we have social media, we can come on and we can talk about it. But there's people that have been doing this work quietly for a long time. And, and, and Dr. Jawanda Kunjufu is one that I highly respect and that's been doing it. 
But I respect the fact that um, Dr. Umar Johnson wants to open a school for our boys. I think it's highly needed. What I would like to see, and this is just the type of person I am, I like to see results. I'm a results-oriented person because that's what I've done. You know, if I would have, when I was homeless and on the streets, if I would have just kept sitting there talking about, oh, I want to get off the streets, I would be still sitting there right now. You have to get up and you have to make moves and you have to do it. You have to deliver. And I know that there are certain constraints that go along with taking on big projects, but at the end of the day, it's about the work. So what I would like to see is I would like to see a school. Let's just make that happen. Going back, let me talk a little bit about Marva Collins. I read her book. I don't know if you all know who she is. She, she passed away, but she was an educator that had a problem, I believe, in the Chicago school system. I believe it was in Chicago. Anyone can correct me if I'm wrong. She was working as a substitute teacher, and she became frustrated, and she immediately said, I'm going to do something about this. With a little bit of money, her and her husband, they went and they opened up this school, and they pre- she produced results. Children that people said could not be educated, she educated them. And they did a, you know, a story on these kids years later and proved that her methods work. And these, some of these uh, kids became business owners, you know, teachers, lawyers, you know, et cetera. So the thing is, if you really want to make something happen, let's, let's make it happen. Let's, 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 let's just do it. It's all in the doing. It's all in the action. And everything else is going to come along. So I would like to see the school. Wow. Your thoughts on Tommy Sotomayor? <laughs> well, Tommy Sotomayor, and I've been on his show before in the past. We we have a sort of a tumultuous history together, but it's gotten better this year. So my, the main thing I want to say about Tommy Sotomayor is Tommy Sotomayor was created out of the black community. I mean, he is a clearly a victim, and I am not making any excuses for his behavior. Um, I don't agree with, with much, much of what he has to say in terms of disparaging black people. But we have to admit that Tommy Sotomayor is a product of the black community. If you grow up, someone is mistreating you because of your skin tone, and you just, some people, they, they're going to lash out. It just is what it is, and that's what we see going on with Tommy Sotomayor. He's, he is a victim. I do believe that he has what I call dark skin mental abuse, post-traumatic dark skin syndrome. I believe that that's the reason why he's doing what he's doing today. Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) I had to ask. I mean, I know some people disagree with me on it. And and like I said, I am not condoning his behavior because he and I have not seen eye to eye. Trust me. But we have to admit that he's been abused by black people. We have to admit it's, it's the truth. And so, like I said, if you continue to abuse people, you know, sometimes you're going to get somebody in that group that's just going to lash out and behave in a way that he's behaving. It's, it's not an excuse, but we have to look at the, what, the, the, the causes. What's the cause of this problem? And dark skin mental abuse is one of the, the reasons why we have Tommy Sotomayor lashing out at the world and at the, you know, at the black community and, you know, making all these videos and commentary on, on you know, disrespecting uh, <laughs> black women. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh. Hey, Rashida. Rashida. Yeah, I'm here. Um, can you tell us about the debate? 
Um, you mean the debate that I did probably about a month ago on Sonetta TV? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. That debate came about, there was a young lady on Facebook, she kept tagging me uh, in a post. Um, she was upset with some comments that I made in regards to Kendrick Lamar, and she, like a lot of other people, that's what they do on social media. I mean, I've just gotten used to it. But the thing that I will not do, because I just don't have the time to do it, I told her, I said, look, I, I'm not going to debate you typing back and forth on uh, Facebook because I just don't have time. If, you wanna, if you're serious about talking to me about this, email me. And she actually did. So we just went ahead and moved forward from there. So I actually respect her, to be honest with you, because most people don't do that. They'll just keep arguing, and I'll go about my business. But she took it seriously, and she contacted me, and we set everything up. So I got a lot of respect for her. For doing that. Wow. Is there any questions or anything else that you, my co-host would like to say to Rashida before we let her go? Because her time is precious. <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing in the community. I, I think it's great. And, um, I, I love uh, hearing that you're getting uh, validation and you get the feedback and that's it's probably, you know, what keeps you going, but you're doing a great job. Keep doing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and H, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. you good. No other comments before I let her go? Okay. So, Rashida, <laughs> real quick. I want you to tell the audience where they can find all your work and a upcoming event that you have going on. Um, sure, absolutely. They can go to my website, <laughs> queenofdarkskin.com. That's queenofdarkskin.com, a.k.a. rashidastrober.com. And uh, you can just go. Um, there's a lot of information on me about about me on the website, so you can read through there. And also you can find the books that I've written, um, Darkism, 25 Ways Dark Skinned People Are Discriminated Against, How to Be the Hottest Dark Skinned Chick on the Planet, which actually I, I, I give away a free version of How to Be the Hottest Dark Skinned Chick on the Planet, which I've been doing for years um, on my website. And it's real big at the top, free ebook. So you go there and get the, the free ebook version of it. Um, also, A Dark Skinned Woman's Revenge, the book version, is also sold at my website. So they can go to RashidaStrober.com or QueenOfDarkSkin.com. Um, also, I'm going to be at the Washington, D.C. Black Theater Festival. That's going to be um, July 1st. Uh, it's going to be at the Anacostia Art Center, and that's at, at 1231 Good Hope Road, Southeast, Washington, D.C. And all this information can be found on my website. You can also go to the Washington, D.C. Black Theater Festival's website and find the information. So I hope if, you, if any, anyone's in the area, you should really come out and see this show because people just absolutely love it because it's entertainment and there's going to be like a talk back um, at the end. Also, people can, people that, because people have asked me how they can support this production uh, that don't live in D.C. So what you can actually do is you can buy a ticket and uh, the D.C. Black Theater Festival has partnered with organizations in the community. So those tickets will be donated to those organizations and allow people that may not have a chance to go to attend. So that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> nice, nice. That's what's up. Is there any final Thank thoughts or, or words that you would like to uh, say to the audience before I let you go? Sure. First, I want to say thank you to all of you for having me on and listening to what I have to say. That's very important to me because 
for a long time, people just did not want to listen. So this thing is like 99% of the battle to beat. So thank you very much for that. And thank you to your listening audience. And, um, and I, you know, I, I would just encourage people to treat people. This is very important. I know it may sound like, oh, no, this is important when you, when you're dealing with people on jobs at school, um, this is important. Treat people fairly for real. That's very important to me that everybody be treated fairly and get an equal chance. Wow. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. That is the key. That's what I want to see. Like, I don't like poverty. I don't like abuse. I don't like people being mistreated. So all I'm saying is just look at yourself. And I know that people are not perfect. I'm not perfect. But just take a moment, stop, assess, and treat people fairly. That's all. I think that's simple. Like, it's like what you learn on the playground when you're in kindergarten. You know, treat everybody, <laughs> treat people how you want to be treated. Right, Just right. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. that's it. That's treat people fairly. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank Rashida for taking the time out to get interviewed and laying out um, her vision and game plan. Um, we definitely will have her back on the show. Um she has to go now I'm going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to discuss uh, some loose talk um, me and DT um, I'm going to talk about some, some things that's going to be hilarious but I want to take a serious moment to thank Rashida because um, activism work is not easy it is definitely hard and it's definitely time consuming and it's mentally draining and a lot of people and emotionally draining and a lot of people don't uh view it that way but as being an activist myself i understand the roller coaster of depression and happiness that we all experience as activists <laughs> and um but yeah thank you rashida for coming out and 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 being on a chew on that show we will have you back again uh in the near future and um yeah we will talk to you soon we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back, topics uh, of craziness uh, is going to be released. It's your boy Randy Chu, a.k.a. Mr. Chu on that, a.k.a. Mr. Nasty Man himself. We'll be back after this quick commercial break. Deuces.
gotta stop. We come from the motherfucking Dutch, you can't bag me, nigga. Remember, <laughs> niggas try to bag me. Kept it real, then they mad at me. Thought the means would embarrass me, but I didn't really visit tragedy. Better watch the jungle with a killer, but we want to chop up with action. Not the power out of this battery. They know I'ma die for the shit. I had to give me some money. And I put the squad on the shit. I did. Remember they said I would lose. Them niggas was popping that shit. So fuck it, we breaking the rules. All out of the running the shit. Oh, came back out the three to one. Who would thought that I'd be the one? Oh. In the dollars, I can see the sun. Heard them cutting in the cup. I can feel these niggas up. I can hear when these niggas talk. I can hear when they ain't hating on me. Still playing with a finger. Oh. Fuck it, I'ma take the high road. Killing niggas with my eyes closed. Put some money on the nigga head. Last time I made a hit. I've been trying to try and get the bread. Try to play me like a bitch. Didn't daddy have to rip. Play me in one trip. Pull it on, see your car door. Just to let you know the war's on. Put my hood in like a war's on. Niggas really get smart, though. Y'all niggas try to make it out. Yeah. It's your boy Randy Chew, aka Mr. Chew on that, aka Mr. Angry Man, aka Mr. Say It Again. We back in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it is time for me and DT to dialogue or some loose talk. I feel like vibing today. DT is back in the building with me. Say hi to the people. Hey, hey. Um. Yes. So, for anyone who would like to get some confirmation or, or feel the vibe, uh, they can call in now. The number to dial is 563-999-3098. That's 563-999-3098. I am extremely vibing right now, and I would like someone to comment or call in to talk about it. But in the meantime, in between time, DT. Um, while we're waiting on callers and people to comment and chime in, uh, what has been some new things that you have started or been on? Hmm, new things I've started. Well, I, people keep nudging me to write another book, and I have had uh, I have been taking notes and doing an outline, so. I guess it's time to get serious and sit down and make it happen. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> With the, do you do you want to give us a little bit of information on it, maybe? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I, I'm very passionate about women's lib, um, the second wave of women's lib that happened in the 70s. And it started off with a great premise, equal pay for equal work, and the ladies of the day could not solve that problem. By the way, I do think that problem is absolutely solvable. But like I was saying earlier, you cannot demand that kind of thing. You have to take ownership of it and figure out what are the people who are getting the job done, what are the people who what are the women who are earning equal pay and exceeding equal pay? Uh-huh. What are they doing right that we can model? And so I want to write a book on uh, women's lib rebooted. Start off with good premise. They weren't able to solve a lot of the issues of the day, and I want to have a crack at it to figure out what can we do to solve those problems. So I think that's the premise of the book. So do I get a copy before everyone else? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, DT. <laughs> um, yeah. So you have been in deep thought about two things um, that does not pertain to your book. Um, mm-hmm. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? I'm ready. Agree or disagree with which statement? That you are contemplating two things deeply in your mind. Hmm. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see. Let me keep asking questions and maybe I can get some more information. Um, oh, that's right. We're in we're in vibing mode. Yes, I mean, yes, yes, yes. Just I'm vibing. No, no, no. <laughs> talk to me. Your voice gives me what I need. Um, okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, level of frustration uh, that I'm picking up. Um. This frustration. has two things attached to it and these two things are the two things that I was feeling you were been in deep thought about does that sound anywhere near close to what's going on one issue is a definite source of frustration yes and yes I have been working on them for a few months now but yes not sure what the other subject would be but the one thing for sure wow um uh, hold on I'm getting a bunch of people inboxing me because they're afraid to call in oh my god Oh. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's hilarious Scared of cats. I know, right? Um, 
Hmm. Are you uh <sighs> Wow. I'm feeling multiple yeah. things right now. I don't know how to address it, but um Okay. Wait, someone inbox me. and said they felt like they're doing good but every time they go to work they feel like they want to throw up um, but they're oh. making good money and they don't want to quit their job hmm you would have to ask a question for me to give you some kind of guidance on that I'm not sure um Hmm. Uh, is this something you're dealing with occupational wise DT mm, not occupation wise but the money the money part yes okay <clears throat> have you been thinking about that in ultimately, ultimately you have to follow your heart and ultimately the money or the financial situation is not worth stressing out over. Because sometimes when you let something go, you, you open a door for, for something bigger and better to come in. So I know that's easier said than done because I'm kind of feeling that squeeze myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But ultimately, I know for myself that's the direction I need to move toward. Like, what can I do to replace that money? What can I do to be able to make that first step? Because hmm. I do feel in my heart that is the right direction. Have you thought about video blogging? I have. I've had some technical issues with my with my app. Um, I have the green screen all set up, and I'm super excited about that. And when I get the video to work, there's no audio. And when I get the audio only to work, there's no video. Wow. So I need somebody who knows more than me to say, oh, it's a setting on the app and here it is 20 layers deep if you change this setting you're going to get both so I absolutely will go to, to videoing I just need to correct this stupid problem I, and I've talked yes. to a lot of people and they can't seem to find it but it can't be that hard because hey you're doing it are you are you looking or have you thought about mentoring a young lady to kind of continue your work once you want to retire? Oh wow, that's a deep one. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. Wait a minute, do you, do you have a daughter? Teacher. I have a daughter, yeah. Wow, how old is she? I love teaching and I and I love mentoring. So that would that could be a possibility. Okay, got She's you. She's twenty one. Okay, okay. 
Wow, I didn't know that you had and a daughter. You know what? Cool. You know what? Genetically speaking, she does have some of my DT skills. So, uh, yeah, that gene did get passed down. Does she look like you did back in the day? She does. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. She is a very pretty woman. Mm. I have to keep her in a bag because it's... <laughs> she's she can't be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh oh. Beat beat the guys beat the guys off with a stick. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, she's she's got it going on. She's got the brains and the figure to go with it. So. My goodness. She, she just got genetically blessed. <sighs> well, I can tell by the mama. But anyway, moving on. Um. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I wish people would stop being shy and stop inboxing me and just call into the show. Mm. The number to dial is 563-999-3098. That's 563-999-3098. DT has your daughter just got out of a relationship? Yes. Is she still hurting? About a month from... ago. Ah, that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Wow. She's not hurting from him because it was the best decision for the both of them. But I think her hurt comes from she really does want to be with a good guy. And yes, the she ideology. She does want to start a family and, you know, all that. So the pain comes from gee, what do I got to do to find a, a good guy? If you are DT's you know, daughter but, and you're listening, the number of the dial is 563-999-3098. Wow. Um, yeah. I tell her to read my book, Stitched in 90 Days. Is she in, everything you need to know. She's in L.A. with you or she's in huh? another, she's doing her own thing? She is. She lives on her own in, in Santa Monica. Yeah. Cool, cool. We're, we're about uh, 45 minutes apart. Cool. She comes and visits me on the weekends. I am vibing right now. If you would like a confirmation or instructions on specific situations or something, please call in. The number to dial is 563 I am very much vibing right now, and I am, like, all up in DT's personal life, and I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, Would someone please call in? Because I do not want to keep vibing on DT and her daughter. Has your husband been looking for a different job? Wow. That's kind of cool that you picked up on that. Um. He's been at his current job for 11 years, not really liking it much, but the money is good, and he's really good at what he does, but he doesn't, on a personal level, he doesn't like it. Ah. Um, so I've actually been helping him this past year to open up his own job. So we're getting very, very close. We're probably about two months out from making that happen. Nice, nice, nice. See, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm picking up the vibe. The force is with me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Your husband, does he work with computers? No. He doesn't? Does he work with video cameras? He's in the media business. The company that he works for is in the media business, but gotcha. no. Okay, he's in the media business. Has he thought about starting his own, or does he just want a happier environment? Because I sense a level of headache and frustration, um, and I don't know if that's coming from the environment that of, of his workplace or is that coming from the fact that he feels he wants to be the boss of his own. It's coming from the environment. If the... If his higher-ups were more supportive and more appreciative of his efforts, he'd probably have a different mindset. But, uh, no, they all have their heads in the toilet, and they're pretty mean and rude people and petty. And, you know, the politics of corporate America just really aren't any fun. <laughs> you know, you can be really good at your job, but if you don't get that appreciation, it's it's hard to get up and go to work the next day. Wow. And so that's what he's been dealing with. So the new job that we're creating um, will unleash his creative side. So he's pretty excited about that. Okay. Yeah. So he's a very intellectual guy and a well-read guy, but we're not going down that path. We're we're kind of tapping into the creative side of his personality. Yeah, yeah. Which will be a nice change, I think. You know, to kind of work with your hands and work with your, uh, you know, work with the other side of your brain, so to speak. Right, right. Cool. Um, <laughs> is there a... Uh, um, Hmm. I'm all up in your business. Let me get out your business. Um, <laughs> um Go for it. I love it. <laughs> um Have you ever mentored a college student before? And I'm be I know that's a broad statement, but I'm being very I'm narrowing down a specific individual that yes I have have this person been on your mind lately not not lately but okay. I have she went on to be a doctor actually okay a physician yeah has she gotten married yet um I really don't know. I've kind of been out of touch with her for a couple of years, but um, I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine, yes. Interesting that I, I knew there guess. was a female. That's crazy. Um, wow. Okay. So if she was to call you sometime within the upcoming week, how would that conversation commence with you? Would you be excited? Would you be... Um, kind of uh, taken off guard or what? Oh, no, no. I, I would be excited. It would totally be open door. There, there's a great deal of 
mutual love and respect. Total open door. Okay. Okay. Her happiness is my happiness. I feel like you have an an enemy who's about to call and apologize to you. Um, I feel like they've been kind of uh, blocking a stream of success that you were supposed to already have. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like they're about to apologize and open that avenue for you. Does that resolve anything in your mind? Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> there, there, there are two people that are in that category, but yes. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Man. I got a lot of inboxes, but I'm not going to read them. <laughs> I'm just not going to read them. Okay. So let's just All have right. some loose talk until someone grows the balls to call in. Um, All right. Hmm. I was in Las Vegas the other week. And, um, you know, usually when people go to Vegas, they're excited. They want to party. They want to go out, explore, meet new people, blah, blah, blah. I was in Vegas, and my mindset was, I just want to lay down and go to sleep. There was nothing really exciting there for me. And I don't know if that comes with maturity, age, or what, because, I mean, it was a bunch of older people out there that was doing all types all types of crazy things like they had balloon dildos on their head and walking around naked oh, and boy. I mean it was just I mean yeah but I I just was chilling like I'm not really interested in nothing that Vegas has to offer what would you say to someone who's has that kind of thought process like me Ooh, well then don't go to a place like that Right? I mean, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. I had a brother that was getting married. That's why I had to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it really wasn't uh, anything that I... I was sitting there like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. It was kind of... So did you just hang out by the pool and just uh, take a snooze? I fell asleep in restaurants. I fell asleep in Uber drives. <laughs> I fell asleep everywhere. And um wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, you had to respect your brother. You had to go. I mean, it's not like you couldn't you weren't going to go. Yeah. That's but, true. But, you know, Left on your own devices, you're, it's probably Vegas is not a place that you'd return because it's just not your thing. Yeah, it, it's really not. Uh, I'm. I think I'm too tired and old for that now. Um, maybe in my okay. teenage years, I probably would have had a blast, but now I'm just kind of like, oh, where's the money at? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Spring break days are done. Yeah, it's over. (laughs) My uh, gigolo days have been cashed in. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, I gotcha. I remember um, remember when when me and you first linked up. I remember Mm -hmm. um, interviewing you twice. 
on the Chew on That Show when it first, first came out in like the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And I remember. Yeah. I remember. Um, our dialogue and conversation. I remember uh, actually listening to some interviews that you had on other people's shows. And you seemed the same everywhere you went. And I think that's an equality hmm. in a woman that is lost in, in today's society. I think that uh, a lot of women change according to the environment that they're around and okay how does a man coach a woman on not doing that well I think it comes from inner confidence and inner strength and in order to get there you know kind of like what Rashida was saying you have to find your personal happiness you have to find your something that you're really good about good at or something that you're passionate about and just springboard off that and then once you do once you practice your craft or practice whatever that passion is and do it consistently that gives you a source of power and wow. it spills over into other areas of your life wow because if you are happy with yourself, you don't even have to talk. It just spills over to other people, right? Right. You ever notice these people, they just walk in the room and the room stops? Like, who is that person? You know, they just have this magnetism, and it's because they have that inner power thing going on. Yes, you know, I've uh, I've actually had people say that about me Um when I walk in a room, they either feel safe or intimidated. And I'm like, I'm just me. I just walk in a room. I smile. I like to crack jokes. Or if I feel a level of disrespect, I like to make sure that people know to respect me. I'm just that okay. blunt of a person. I don't really look at myself and see myself as intimidating. Um I think that I just mm -hmm. have a low tolerance for stupidity. And um Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it, a member of that club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are just sometimes that gets in the way, doesn't it? It sometimes you know, I hate to admit this, but I do lose my patience over it sometimes. Yeah, I mean people like, are oh just stupid. Why is this person being this dumb? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. People are just dumb. I mean, super dumb. Um, wow. Um, hmm. Before we end the show, I'm going to ask some questions off my vibe that I'm getting, DT. Um, okay. And don't feel obligated to answer this at all. You can totally not answer, or you can totally not know the answer. Mm -hmm. 
Is your daughter pregnant or has she been pregnant? Not that I know of, no. Okay. I would ask that question. Is she pregnant or has she been pregnant recently and may have lost the child or may have something else? I don't know. Um, I'm just feeling the sense of lost with her and it's not a man and it's kind of bothering her um mm -hmm. I feel like um she I feel like she's also in a place where she feels she's too intelligent for a certain level of men that's been trying to get with her um I feel like she has a standard that a lot of men are intimidated by and so she tries to give men opportunity to reach that standard but they ultimately fail and so she prolongs the talking in hopes that they will get it and but she's miserable and then she ends up counseling the situation does that sound at all accurate yes there are elements of that that are true yes um she does have a standard and <clears throat> you know unlike most girls who just go along with things anyway she's not like that she has a standard and that's the standard and that's it she's not backing down or cutting the person too much slack which is how it should be because the person that does have the standard back will be ultimately the one that enters her life yes yes I, I know <clears throat> I know when I was in my 20s my friends and family kept saying you know Linda your standards are too high who's, who's possibly going to meet those standards and you know they had all that this naysaying and pulling the crab back in the bucket, so to speak. And, you know, after being worn down with years and years of that talk, I kind of like, you know, capitulated and, and went to their level. And it wasn't until years later, of course, that going to their level was never a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it backfired, didn't end up well. Anyway, um, after, you know, years and years of self-reflection, it's um, I've figured out that, hey, they can say whatever they want to say. Uh, they aren't living my life, and I don't want to live their life, so I better just live my own life, and I readopted my standards. And that was a good thing because that was true to who I am. Right, right. You know, they're not living my life, so who are you to tell me how to how to run it? And I think maybe it was the comments were, I don't know, based on jealousy or, you know, why are you getting these good things happening to you? Maybe you don't deserve it, and maybe they were jealous of that. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, ultimately, I'm not running their life, and they're not running mine, so really, you can leave your comments to yourself. Nice, nice. 
Well, but I don't think my da- daughter would back down. She she has her standards, and that's it. She she knows who she is. Yeah. I I was not I was not as strong at at her age as she is. Well, before before we go, I'm going to say this. She's about to call you. I don't know if it's going to be today mm-hmm. in the next couple of days, and you guys are going to have a very deep, intimate conversation. And. Mm. This conversation is going to spark um what I would say a a a deeper level of intimacy between you and your daughter. Um yeah. and when that conversation happens, please let me know. Um listen, we're gonna okay. we're gonna end the show early today. Um I have an emergency situation I need to get to. Um Okay. So everyone knows everything um, about the True on That show and Linda's show on Wednesdays. DT, please tell everyone uh, which where they can find you and all of that. And by the way, if you're listening to my show, you need to be listening to DT's show, which is every Wednesday. <laughs> I'm serious Thank about you. that. You guys need to flood her show. Call in and ask her questions. Yes, yes. Okay, go ahead. Give us the breakdown. <laughs> it's every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're in the local L.A. area, we're on KMET 1490 AM. If you're not in the geographic area, no problem. We have live streams. Uh, if you can't listen exactly at those times, we have uh, streaming on demand. So there's no excuse. You can listen live or after the fact. You can go to my whole archive of shows and do some binge uh, listening, whatever turns you on. So the name of the show is called The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Just Google The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. You'll find my social media. You'll find Facebook, my website, Twitter, whatever. It should all come up. And uh, go on my, download my new mobile app. Because the mobile app gives you all, all of me. So uh, it gives you on demand, listening live, you know, one one touch calling uh, to the show. It tells you about my books, uh, which are on Amazon. It tells you about my website, my social media. It's all there. So just download the app, make it easy. It's available both on in iTunes and uh, in the Google Play Store. Y'all got it. Listen, flood her. All right. Flood her. Flood her. And um, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back here uh, next Thursday, um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next Thursday's show is going to be crazy funny and crazy good. I got oh. I got a guest that's coming on that's very, very special, and I've been waiting for this for a long time. With that being said, we're going to end the show now. You guys chime in next Thursday. Get at the kid. Appreciate everyone watching, listening. Until next time. Deuces. Hallelujah.